just like the party excuse, right? Yeah. We need more. We need more excuses to get together with all of our, you know, brewery friends and stuff. Like, cause it, it's that's why you get into the beer industry is to like, cause you love beer and you love the people that are part of the industry and the people that love yeah. also love beer. Yeah, it's an amazing community. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Hey, babe. What? Do you remember the time we went to BrewDog in Scotland? I do. But do you remember how, like, it was really good beer, um, but also we don't have many regrets in life, and while this really isn't a regret, we should have tried it, that, that was like one of the biggest beers, or like the highest ABVs, I think that they thought it was at the time in the world. Yeah, I mean, it was one of, it, there were already a few that were higher than this one, but it was, um, I want to say it was Sink the Bismarck maybe that they had. What was it, like 40? Yeah, I think that one was like 40%. Okay, 40% as a beer. As a beer. <laughs> yeah. So have some patience with us. We're going to talk a little bit about big beers here. Big beers meaning high ABVs because we actually have um, some really cool peeps from River North Brewery in Denver on with us for this podcast. And a lot of it is going to be about big beers. <laughs> <laughs> but so because of that, we are kind of going through and doing some research on this and found out like how freaking holy shit these breweries go big with beer <laughs> yeah and you know like the biggest one in the world is 67.5 percent right is, now is that really a snake venom beer no i don't think it really is actually but, but and even even the process the way it's made to me yes it's a beer but it's done a specific way which is more like a spirit you know because they they basically make a really strong beer then they freeze it like down to about like zero degrees or something like that. And then they scrape the ice off because the water freezes and the alcohol doesn't quite freeze. And then they scrape that ice off, which is mostly water with a little bit of the alcohol going away. But they keep they do this multiple times so that then you're left with a more concentrated bunch of alcohol and in that's the beer. So like similar to distilling, right? Yeah. In a way with yeah, that. It's basically freeze distilling. Okay. So it is distilling. Wait, so is that? In, a, in its own way, but. So the big beers then, like the 67% one you're talking about and mm-hmm. the other ones that we'll talk briefly about too. So those are kind of, are those known as icebox? Some that of a different... them are. Some of them aren't called an icebox, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is, to me, it's getting into a gimmicky kind of thing because it, for years, it was like, Brewdog, and then there was a German brewery that I'm not even going to try to butcher their name. Try and say it. I can try and say it. It's Schorschbrau, I'm assuming. Schorschbrau. But so they went back and forth for years, like each one one upping the other until they got to like 55% or something like that. And then they finally said, screw it, and did a beer together. (laughs) They actually did a collaboration beer. Okay. That ended up at like. I think 57 and a half or something like that. And then this other small brewery, there was a small brewery out of the Netherlands that hit 60 and then a new brewery out of Scotland that, well, not that new anymore, but a brewery out of, another brewery out of Scotland like Brewdog that, that went way big and did the 67 and a half. So I don't know. 
But I mean, it's fun. I guess it's a fun, cool thing. And I, I wish we would have tried it probably just to see. The one in Brudo? Yeah, the, yeah. Just to see what a 40-something percent beer tastes like. Because the biggest that I know that we've tried was probably the one at Aguamala in Baja, in Ensenada in Baja. that one was at 33% around yeah, the time? Yeah, they, they said they thought it was at 33%. And it was an ice box, which they were freezing, doing the freeze distillation. Um, and it was good. It was interesting. It was cool. Very strong. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And then, But then it's like you can get into a, the, you could get into the argument, well, is it really a beer, blah, 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 all that, because the freeze distillation. But then there's also the biggest beers that don't have freeze distillation. Because that's really tough. That's a really difficult thing to do with, ah. to keep... And you'll hear more about this on the podcast because Matt and Matt from River North talked a little bit about how difficult it is to brew a beer that's really high ABV, but you're not doing that freeze distillation because that's helping it along. You're you're basically sapping out some of the water content. But to actually just brew the beer like you normally would where you just use water and hops and grain and yeast and you try to keep the yeast going long enough to keep fermenting and making more alcohol that's a difficult process to do because yeast gets to a point where it's just like i can't do this at this high alcohol anymore (laughs) and it gets tired and stops but you're still (laughs) using like all the same ingredients to -hmm. make the beer for the ice beers yeah for for sure so is that that's the main delineation or definition of what a beer is correct as long as you're not well, yeah, I don't know. For does, the most does, part, does... I don't know what standards there are for ice distillation versus brewing. Okay, but does I never know I how to know. say this? Does the Rheinheiskabat laws from Germany <laughs> does that say anything actually about like whether you could how, freeze it? Yeah, because it has the ingredients in there. It's very very strict on the ingredients. I honestly don't know that. Yeah, because as far as I know, it's mostly focused on the ingredients, but. I don't know how far the Rheinheiskabot gets into process. Okay, maybe if we remember, <laughs> you might have to hold us to this. We should do some research on this. Yeah, and then we can check back in. On our next <laughs> podcast, um, we kind of give you a little bit of answer about that. Because that, now I just thought of that question. I'm curious about That's that. That's a good question, though, because I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay, we're going to find out. But I find just making the big beers really interesting because I... I the biggest beer I know of out that's been brewed, brewed without the ice distillation process, and there may be others. I'm not. Don't hold me to this because I'm not an encyclopedia on this. But like at least the biggest one that I've ever tried was Utopia's yeah. from Sam Adams, which is the one I tried. Was I think was twenty eight point something okay. percent, and that was just I tried a little like one ounce sample that they did a release at GABF one year. So River North is getting up there, though. Oh, yeah. And River North, it, they're at 22%. 22.04. Yeah, they had it specifically <laughs> tested with, and it takes a very special type of testing. Like like in normal brewing, there's the hydrometer test and stuff you do at home, which is pretty accurate for home brews and stuff like that, and, and brews that are like 8 9 10%. But once you get to higher alcohol, we just learned recently that you have to have a special test for that because it's really hard to be accurate. And so they actually sent this out to a lab and had a lab tested and it came out at 22.04%, which may or may not be the biggest beer ever brewed in Colorado history. 
Um, but they think there's so. a couple questions, but there's a couple breweries that have claimed around 23%, but I have yet to be able to confirm with anyone how they came up with that 23%, if they had it lab tested or it was an estimate. And an estimate could be wildly off yeah. because that's what most of us do in brewing. You 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 factor in all the ingredients and you're, you, where you started and where you finished, and there's a way to estimate what your ABV is. And it's usually pretty close on lower beers, but once you get to that 20% in those ranges, it, it probably is not going to be very accurate. Let me tell you how to judge the beers by your taste. <laughs> That's I probably mean, a better way to judge them than it, just how they're made. Yeah, but. but if you're looking for like a beer that you can sip on, then yeah, you're going to go for those higher ABV beers. But, ever, oh, but yeah. whatever, like if you're going to judge one on how, on like really judge it, it's on how they taste. And I'm telling you right now, River North, um, it's their 10 year anniversary. Mm. They've nailed their beers since they've started. And it doesn't matter if they have like their high ABV beers, which really they're becoming more well known for, or their sessionable ones, or like, you know, more like IPAs. Or just somewhere or in between. Saisons yeah. or anywhere in between. Like their flavors, like they've just nailed them. Mm-hmm. And so whether it was Hess Brewing or Malloy Brewing, mm-hmm. like they're, they're both very good. At That's what the doing. two mats. Yeah. Which, and yeah. I would say that, and this isn't just Colorado, even though these are two Colorado breweries. But just even breweries, period, I would say that you guys have that listened in when we talked to Wayne and Laura from Burns Family Artisan Ales, they're all, they also have a very strong reputation for high ABV beers like River North does. And they've brewed together a few times, done some collabs and things. And um, But both of them craft really well made like they both have multiple beers that are 16 17 18 19 percent alcohol and that's really high and it's really hard to come up with that much alcohol in a beer and not make it taste like a whiskey or some just having that really strong burning sensation but they both do a great job of just making well-made well-balanced flavorful beers and that goes, for, like you said, that goes for everything they make pretty much. They've done a good job from sessionable beers to just your your typical beers. But um, they really, I think they really have changed the game on high ABV beers. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Because they've, they've set the bar pretty high yeah. for everybody else to reach. <laughs> so the reason we're talking about this is because we got a chance, thanks to Katie, their marketing guru at River North, she like set us up with yeah. the two mats, so we've got Matt Hess and Matt Malloy, and a little bit of Katie on the podcast with us, mm-hmm. talking um, about obviously their ten year anniversary beer, which hopefully you're lucky enough to get one before it's gone. But we've got them talking about the beer, but also about like where River North started from, and you know obviously it's you're talking to us, living a stout life, like it's the story behind the beer. Should we let them talk? I think we should. Okay. Otherwise, I'll just geek everybody out. And we'll do our best to remember the Rheinheist Gebot. I think I'm saying it right. I don't know. I've always said Gebot. Gebot? But, but I don't know. I'm not German. I don't know how to speak German. I'm just, I don't even know where but I came up with that. But I got the syllables right, right? Like, usually oh, sure, I say yeah. Rheinheist Gebot, Rhein something, <laughs> Rhein. I don't know what it is. I don't know. All I know Anyhow. is how I figure out how to say it, and I just roll with it. So Here's Katie, Matt, and Matt. <laughs> So we're here with a whole lot of people from River Knife Brewery, and I'm excited. We have um, some really good beer to drink, right? Mm-hmm. But let's start with who we're here with. Oh, hey, I'm Katie. <laughs> I am the marketing and tapper manager. Cool. Yeah. Hi, Katie. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Matt Malloy. I'm the head brewer here at River North. Cool. And I'm Matt Hess, founder of River North Brewery. The original head janitor. The original, yeah. <laughs> I used to be the head brewer a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Probably feels like forever now because you're on your 10th, 10 year anniversary. Yeah. And that's crazy, yeah, right? <laughs> so, for those of the people that, uh, what's the word, blasphemy? It's blasphemy if they don't know River North or where you started from. But can you tell our listeners and stuff like where River North came from? Um, this is 10 years, so you've been yeah. around for a little while. Uh, I mean, where, where do you want me to start? Like, before it even started? Or I like I mean, the whole story. Yeah, the yeah. Whole story. You, yeah. yeah. Unless it's going to be five hours long. Yeah, because... Yeah. Be brief. <laughs> but we, like stories. we love to know like the stories behind yeah. it's the a beer. podcast we have all the time we want uh, so yeah so before river north brewery i was actually an engineer and a home brewer uh, and i loved brewing beer and so basically uh you know i had to convince my wife that it would be a good idea to <laughs> you know quit my engineering job and do something crazy like start a brewery in Denver. So I'm sure the big paycheck as a brewer is a big oh, enticement. Yeah, sure, right? sure, yeah. <laughs> right out of the gate, it's big. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. Um, but where did your love for beer come from? In like, uh, I mean, you know, we actually started um, really getting into beer uh, when I was going to school in uh, at Mizzou in. Uh, Columbia, Missouri, uh, which my wife was finishing uh, her uh, her degree there, and there was a little uh, brew pub there called uh, Flat Branch Brewing, and they did a lot of English style beers. Um, in Missouri, yeah, wow. yeah, that was that was that was kind of their focus, and, and you know, I definitely for for all the brews that we have brewed since River North has started, like. I mean, we really haven't done a lot of English style beers, but I do love them because that's kind of where it all started for, for me. Um, and then, you know, at that time, way back then, it was all the cool, like, I don't know, barrel aged beers and stuff that were coming out were from, I mean, it was kind of a fun time to be in that area of the country because, like, Boulevard was, you know, blowing up and doing all their smokestack series of beers and stuff. And it was just barrel aged quads and stouts. And it was just, that was. <laughs> loved it you know so um so that was you know before i actually was you know employed as an engineer um and i just kind of actually at that time i hadn't i hadn't even started homebrewing until i moved out to colorado uh but i really just fell in love with brewing and creating recipes and and uh you know just beer in general so and tired of the engineering job and that's kind of how it goes, it go you know. There, it. I, it's amazing how many uh, former engineers you meet in the brewing industry. So. Well, and it, yeah, there's a ton, a ton, especially here in Colorado. We know several. Yeah. And, but you said you know English beers were a big thing for you. But then when you started the brewery originally, you were more like, if I remember right, you were pretty Belgian focused. Yeah, right? we, we we brewed we when we opened we were brewing all Belgian beers because uh, I I mean I, I I just I love all the different styles that you know come from around the world and um, you know like Belgian beers were just one of those styles that as a brewer really clicked for me early on. I mean I, I loved all the different styles out there that, you know that I could find to drink, but in, in terms of brewing. Uh, Belgian was what clicked for me initially, 
and obviously we've expanded beyond that uh, you know, oh, yeah. since those first few years that we were open, but um, it was just, that was, that was what I, I loved brewing when the brewery started. Not necessarily like the only thing I loved drinking, I loved drinking a lot of different styles of beer, but it was, that was my first brewing love, I guess, so. Well, and the barrel age stuff really influenced you, obviously, because you have one of the better barrel aging programs in Colorado, too. So, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a funny start to the River North barrel program a little bit. I knew I always wanted to do it, mm -hmm. um, but it was a little daunting. Um, I, I love drinking the beers when, you know, I could find them on the shelves um, or at a tap room or whatever, but they weren't that big at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think our first barrels that we ever aged a beer in, uh, there was a, there was a, literally a guy driving around Denver Metro, stopping at breweries uh, with like freshly dumped whiskey barrels. Really? Like in a trailer. It's <laughs> like, hey, from you want a, a barrel? Want to yeah. buy a barrel? From a, <laughs> a, a local distillery that. Um, can't say the name of, but, uh, <laughs> but so you had to go down the alley and around the back and <laughs> find this guy. And so, no, he, he, just, he just had these, you well, know, they were unmarked, unmarked barrels. But you know, I think it's just a maybe just shows how far the you know barrel aged beer scene has come or changed over the years. Because as it turns out, they weren't you know they were phenomenal barrels. Uh, the first first ones we ever started with, you know, and it wasn't until a couple of years later that it started becoming a little bit more difficult to find really high quality barrels, super fresh barrels. So you started back then with a lot of whiskey barrels and stuff, but like Matt, what do you guys now like? What all different kinds of barrels are you using now? Because I know you guys don't just stick with bourbon barrel age. Do you guys have really pushed the bounds on types of barrels too? Yeah, well, really about what we can get fresh and local is really what the, the focus is. Uh, we have some rum barrels, we have mostly single malt whiskeys or uh, Kentucky style bourbons and some rye's and um, really whatever we can get our hands on that sounds great, you know, we'll, we'll give it a try. What's the funkiest thing you've used barrel age-wise? Have you done any like tequilas or we've crazy done, wines? Yeah, or? we've done tequilas and we do, uh, we currently have four wines or port finished whiskeys and yeah wine <laughs> um, we still st yeah, it's mostly clean beers that because usually uh, a barrel aged sour uh, is on accident yeah and so we, we don't release anything like that anymore so a barrel aged sour is on accident who drinks that when it's on accident? Oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. We don't. We you just like down the drain. That's yeah. That's good. That's the big part of a barrel age program is knowing when to dump something because it's not good. It's not worth it. It's. What's your background? How did you get into brewing and beer and all the fun stuff of being a janitor? <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell in love with it a long time ago. I was home brewing when I was. Technically, un, un, not allowed to under age. Okay. But uh, I started homebrewing six years, and then I started my first um, professional job. Uh, went from mod 13 to 
Denver Beer Company. I stayed, stayed there for a long time, and I've been here the last three years. Nice. Um, no, I was just going to say, like, I think it would be interesting to talk about how River North started as a brewery, like, in this neighborhood we're in right now, which is River North, or better known now as Rhino. Yeah. To beer, beer people, it's the Rhino. Yeah. And it's like, uh, probably most people that know Rhino don't know River North for Rhino. Because uh, yeah, you were here before it was right now. Well, we were right? here, uh, you know. It was the, an interesting the, story. Our district was was definitely, you know, you know, going full steam, but it, the development in the neighborhood certainly wasn't uh, what it is now, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we just thought it was a cool area of the city that deserved to have more breweries, you know, and uh, and it was within that first probably twelve months we were open, it was. It was us, and I think uh, like Black Shirt and, and our mutual friend opened, and um, gosh, probably even it was a couple more even right after that. But yeah, um, yeah, it was. It's just it's just always been a fun fun neighborhood, and it's been crazy to see how it, how it's grown. So. But then you were here back. You started here in 2012, right? I think yeah. you took over. Didn't you take the old Flying Dog Brewery? Yeah. Well, so you know, Flying Dog. You know, I think they. Um, so they were here for I don't know how many years mm-hmm. um, in that in that original building that we were in, um, and they I guess moved out to the East Coast. Yeah, I want to um, say like Maryland, maybe or something. Yeah, they, I think they they bought a, an existing facility out there or something. Okay. Like um, so. You know, the place that we moved into uh, was basically their cellar. Um, you know, it was the, mm-hmm. like they had a, a, they were a much bigger operation, you know, than we were when we started. So our entire brewery and tap room basically fit where their fermenters and brew house were, you know, like so, <laughs> you know, yeah. just in that, it was one big warehouse space that was all they had in it was, you know, tanks and brewing stuff um, so you know that was kind of cool the history there uh, you know with with that location uh, it was I think it was, it was even a brewery before that um, that went out, went out of business in the like the first uh, brewery bust like around 2000 you know which is yeah. long, long before my beer drinking time you know, <laughs> we just pieced it together over the years you know so they were you know all the, those places were definitely here before Rhino was Rhino well, and then you moved, You guys moved out, though. You you ended up leaving Rhino for a while, like. Yeah, that was, that wasn't intentional, uh, but that <laughs> no, building, I didn't that think building, so. <laughs> uh, was was sold, and and yeah. uh, you know you can, I'm sure, find a very pricey apartment or condo there in that original location if you were so inclined. You know? <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it we moved up north of the city a little ways because we were at the time we were really trying to, um, you know expand our distribution side of things, getting more into canning and bottling and stuff, not just being so taproom focused. And so we needed the space anyway. So you can call it a, a blessing in disguise, I guess. Right. Uh, right. You know, but, uh, you know, our, our goal was always to get back to Rhino. And, uh, you know, it only took us, I don't know, four years or something <laughs> like that to, to find the right spot. But yeah, now we're back here in, in Rhino on, you know, 34th and Blake Street. Um, and, you know, which is kind of more of the 
heart of the you know the district, whereas you know, our original spot was just barely on the edge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we're exactly ten blocks north on Blake Street, or I guess technically northeast on Blake Street from our original location. Awesome. I'm glad you're back down here because it seemed blasphemous to me that there was like the Rhino District was getting known for beer sure. and River North was not in the Rhino yeah, District. Well, we, you know, we had, so. we had a little uh, identity crisis there, you know, for a little while, but we, we knew we were always coming back, you know, to the neighborhood. So, Like our first experience with River North was at uh, was it Aloft downtown and yeah. Blue October, uh, Justin? Justin. What's the singer's name of Blue October? The singer for Blue October is doing like he an acoustic show. He was doing like show. an acoustic thing. It was free. In the lobby. And in, you guys were pouring it. Yeah. Someone mm -hmm. like River North was there pouring it. And it was like one of the first big beers we've actually had too. Do you yeah. remember what it was? No. Yeah. I remember because we were there. I don't remember who was pouring there. But we were talking and like he pretty quickly realized that we were beer geeks. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, hey, we have just like a couple bottles of this one beer we just bottled. I think he said the same day or maybe the day before, but it was Nightmare Fuel. Oh, yeah. And okay. he's like, do you want to try it? And we're like, of course we want to try it. <laughs> it's like, it might not be cold, but I'm like, I don't care. It's Nightmare <laughs> Name Nightmare Fuel. It's a big Imperial Stout. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, I'm not going to drink that. That's a that's a beer that you guys have really become known for over the years, too, in Colorado. Yeah, the Nightmare Fuel was, was fun. That's um, a big one. And that, so funny story about Nightmare Fuel is that for whatever reason, um, we created Nightmare Fuel before we created Mr. Stan, Mr. Sandman, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is kind of our flagship Imperial Stout. Um, and I, I don't know why we were just, maybe we were just thinking, we still had the Belgian mindset. We weren't thinking about it, but I think somebody was like, Hey, why don't you brew Nightmare Fuel without the coffee? And they're like, oh, yeah, regular imperial stuff. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's don't brew the base beer first. Let's bring the base beer in next. <laughs> that would be too, too expected, right? <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of the beer, then, we have um, a pretty good beer waiting to taste right here. It's beer anniversary. Right? Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? The park excuse. The part oh yeah, we have that one too. Oh yeah, yeah. So the party. I'm, okay, so I'm talk about the party excuse because I do like that name. The, so the party excuse um, was I don't know. You know, you, when you when you've been around in like the Denver beer industry for ten years, right? You make a whole hell of a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but you're also you're you're always at the brewery and you know kind of like working on your own thing, and then you realize you're like oh, I haven't seen those folks in forever, so. It was kind of the idea behind the party excuse was to invite literally everybody we could think of in the Denver beer like scene <laughs> industry, you know, and have them down and talk about a collaboration beer. <laughs> um, so in the end, it ended up being more of a party than like a collaboration because, <laughs> you know, you, you know, we're just kind of like, everybody's throwing around ideas, but for the most part, we're, we're just drinking a bunch of beer and having a good time. You know, so it's, as it turns out, it, it was more of a, just an excuse for a party. So that's the, it, it was a while since we'd seen a lot of friends. Right. COVID. And yeah. Oh gosh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So. So to get, you get a room full, this room actually, full of brewers that haven't seen each other in a long time. It's like yeah. just this roar of oh, man. catching up. Well, and I'm sure even coming out of the COVID stuff, it's still like everybody 
has probably been so dialed in, so focused on just trying to make it through. Because, I mean, especially a lot of smaller breweries, it's just trying to keep your head above water, right? And just turn the lights on every day, which mm-hmm. has probably been a nightmare. But... Nightmare so... fuel, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how many people did you end up having work, like, work on the I mean, we, That's we, air quotes. So well over period. 100 people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and I think probably had about half that were able to wow. make it, right? So, oh, you know. So it was a party. Yeah, it was a party. <laughs> You know, and, and, and those who couldn't wish they could have, but it's just one of those things. You're like, yeah. you got to pick a day, you know. And I would so, say it was a successful party. You got a beer out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. A great beer, actually. So. <laughs> it's just a nice dry hop clogger, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just meant to be easy drinking. It's the it's the the opposite, like uh, end of the spectrum from the anniversary stout. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're gonna taste. So, so then, four and a half percent. Four and a half percent. Yeah. Uh, dry hop clogger with. We used a lot of, actually, hop, all the hops we used uh, were ones I'd really never used before. Oh, really? So it was kind of exploring okay. uh, Belma and uh, this experimental 6300, uh, which okay. yeah, it, it creates a really unique nose that we we pick up like blueberries and melons on the nose, but it like it finishes like a almost like an IPA, West Coasty, like very strong and. Got a lot of a bitter finish. Only four and a half percent. It's something to kind of help help cleanse your palate for the anniversary ten beer. Has a lot of body for a four and a half percent beer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it doesn't feel real thin or light. You know, just, uh, just a little flaked corn and mostly uh, Pilsner and uh, Duro. Cool. Okay. Good beer. I like the beer, but I've been trying to get to this beer for like a while now. And Everybody's although, been trying to get to that beer since they've heard about it. Our podcast listeners will, like, this will go out post-anniversary party, but there's still no excuse why you can't come to River North, and hopefully you'll still have mm-hmm. some beer here. Hopefully. <laughs> but I don't if you know. Don't, I think I'm, it's going to fly off the shelves pretty quick. But if they don't, I'm sorry, not sorry, but I get to drink it, and <laughs> you guys don't. <laughs> but tell us about this. is 22%. So tell us about like the idea behind it. The uh, well, actually, I've been, it's kind of been a, a goal of mine or ours to reach at least mm-hmm. twenty because mm-hmm. uh, we've gotten so close a few times down the line. And uh, I was like, all right, let's really push everything we can do uh, and and break twenty percent. And uh, so it's a continuation. So like double avarice is, is one of the beers we release every year. Um, it was consistently getting around 18.5 to 19.7. It was like its range. And, and we just kept pushing and pushing and you know, make the yeast as happy as it possibly could be. <laughs> right. Um, you know, basically create the best environment for a party for the yeast and uh, hopefully they get to a point once the cops show up, the alcohol at a certain point. <laughs> Alcohol will kill the yeast off. Right. You, know, you, you, you just create the momentum and hopefully it lands really high. And that's, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, you hit 22? 22%. 22.04. Wow. <laughs> is this one of the biggest ones you've? This is the yes. biggest beer by far. So, so the previous uh, record, I think, was for us, was re- uh, held by uh, the 2018 Barrel Age Double Avarice. 19.7? Yeah. 19.7, so, man. Which was like, 
you know, or you, you have that moment where you're like, we could, we could, we could fudge the numbers here. It could be 20, right? Right. And it's like, no, we're going to do, round it. Up. We're gonna do it for real. And so it's, and yeah. it's been three and a half years since then, you know, like trying to break that threshold. So, so what do you say to those non-believers that think that like the higher you get, the more it's like not beer? Like, I'm not who are these I mean, non- it has non-believers. <laughs> I need to find them and have a conversation with them. So, I mean, it's the most beer beer you could actually beer. <laughs> how long How long did it take to make this? Like, how long has it been in the works? Uh, I made it last year. Uh, right, about Just de- right about December time last year. Really? So you were able to do it within a year? Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it ends up being a little bit over a year, right? right. So it was, it, yeah. we it's triple barrel age. Uh, four, four-ish, four, five, six months per barrel. I'd, I'd have to go back and look specifically which, yeah, which barrels had a little more time or less time. But um, you know, it was twice bourbon barrels to bourbon barrels to Colorado straight whiskey. So where does it fall? Do you have any idea? I don't even know if anybody keeps records. Do you know how where it falls as far as biggest beers in Colorado? Like say history. Uh, I mean, I presume it's, it, the, it's the biggest beer that's ever been made in color, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Just say <laughs> that with confidence. It's got to be. Until someone says no, it wasn't. <laughs> Until somebody proves otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the other things is about these crazy beers is, is, you know, you can attempt to calculate your ABVs. Uh, based on the equations that are out there, you know, based on starting and final gravity and everything, uh, you know, but uh, they're wildly inaccurate like these uh, strengths of beer. So, you know, we've definitely had, you know, stouts that we were like, it's got to be there. It has to be there, right? And we we sent it off to get it tested because, you know, sometimes it it comes out close and sometimes you're like, oh, no, we thought it was 19 at 17. You know, uh, that kind of thing. So, well, I'm sure the higher you get, the more difficult it is for the traditional. You know, just like yeah, like me as a home brewer, I'm using the little hydrometer, yeah. and that's not the most accurate. It's just a you know, when get you in the ballpark. Yeah, when you're just using uh, the equations and it's it's attempting to um, you know in, interpolate basically a you know some. Uh, some relationship between the gravities and the final ABV, uh, but it's it's probably not an exact uh, match, right? Right. So you're you're beyond you're off the end of the spectrum in terms of what they actually built these equations for to to calculate ABV. So okay. I'm sensing that I'm about to get punched in the head if I no, don't let April try this beer. Question. So I already tried it. I'm gonna turn it. What? I was done waiting for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm the only one who hasn't tried it at this table. And he's drinking it. Wow. There is a lot going on in that beer. Like I get a lot of heavy chocolate. Like when I smell it, a lot of heavy chocolate and maybe some cherry. Mm -hmm. That's what I sense the most, I think, when I smell it. Usually with the the Belgian yeast strain that adds to it. I don't like getting my assessment of tastes on. Why not? Because I, like, everybody's watching me. You're listening to me, and I just want to enjoy the beer. It's very brilliant. But at the end of the day, it's never wrong. It's what you taste. Yeah. That's the people get, you know, hung up on the, oh, the beer guy's going to say this or that. But it's it doesn't matter. I mean, what you taste, if it tastes like Fruit Loops, it tastes like Fruit Loops. You know, that's that's a good descriptor to me. That's a better descriptor than toasty or roasted. Right. You know, yeah, which yeah. is really generic, right? Yeah, they are generic, right? It's like that makes me think either smoky or coffee. 
okay. Yeah. But those are pretty wildly generic terms too. All right, so we all know you work in a brewery, which pretty much means you kind of live here, but what do you do when you're not in the brewery? What's for fun? I hike a lot. You hike? Do you have yeah. a favorite hike or a favorite place? Everywhere. Uh, I don't have an answer to that. Beer is my fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you like bottle shares or? Yeah, I, I, yeah. this is, I'm living my dream. Like is making beer and making fun stuff. That's, that's it. I'm Thanks. sorry. And geeking out on beer. Do not apologize for that. <laughs> hey. no, I, I mean, I don't We're making a living geeking out on beers. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a bad life. <laughs> and yours, Matt? I go to the mountains when I can, which is not as often as I thought <laughs> that I would when I moved to Colorado. So, because, well, obviously because of the brew, which is not a bad consolation prize. But <laughs> no. just going up the mountains and, I don't know, yeah, enjoying it. And, you know, I, I wish I could get up there and do more, you know, skiing and whatnot in the winter time. You know, I get up there as much as I can. Uh, I love going like, to the Arkansas Valley, you know, up by Buena Vista and stuff. Like that's you can be a little it's jealous. Funny, of we're actually Definitely, living uh, up there. Right that's now. where we're living for yeah, two months yeah. right now. That's awesome. So yeah. Scott, that's it's definitely I, there. There's you know the brewery is my happy place, and also the you know the mountains. The brewery is my happy place, so is the mountains. Yeah, yeah. sticker. <laughs> it's a really good sticker. We gotta hire Matt for stickers and shirts. There's your new marketing come up with campaign. All the <laughs> <laughs> but we want to steal it. Oh, you're gonna steal it? Mm-hmm. Okay. We can collab. We can do it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a steal. It's a collaboration. Yeah. In the brewing industry, it's always a collaboration. I mean, we're talking, in, you know, right before Collaboration Fest in Colorado too. So, yeah. We've got to talk about clams. So. Are you guys doing a collaboration for Collaboration Fest? Or yep. Yeah. Uh, you... We are collaborating with Brews. Uh, oh, cool. And Burns. Oh, really? Um, the three of you together or no, two separate two collabs? Two Both are perfect fits for you guys because <laughs> Brews is Belgian, very yep. Belgian influenced, and Burns is high octane. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and quite, to our quite exactly. <laughs> this, if you are in Denver, this will be out before Collab Fest. So we'll yes. put all those like notes and things in there the show notes yeah. and tell you how to get to those. And and, yeah. to me, that is one of the best brew fests I have ever been to is Collab Fest. It's one of the, so the best fun. ones of the year for sure. So, Because everybody, you know, every beer there is like a beer at least between two different breweries. So they're pretty much one-off beers usually, and all of you guys are out there usually. The brewers and stuff are all there to talk about these beers and stuff, and it's just, it's a beer geek stream. <laughs> Looking forward though, real quick, like, um, what do you see for River North coming out of 10 years, looking forward to the next 10 or so years? I mean, we're just looking to have fun, you know? Like, that's what it's all about. So, like, after 10 years, you gotta, you gotta, like, take a step back, take stock of things and be like, just like the party excuse, right? Yeah. We need more, we need more excuses to get together with all of our, you know, brewery friends and stuff. Like, cause it's, that's why you get into the beer industry is to like, cause you love beer and you love the people that are part of the industry and the people that love, yeah. also love beer. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's unique, an amazing right. community. So, so you're just happy just to keep chugging through that community and keeping that community going and you're not trying to be the biggest brewery in the world or oh, get no, on no, no, no. AB, AB InBev's 
cheat for trying to get bought up. <laughs> <Yeah>. or... <laughs> Have you seen these guys will come mellow for our listeners no, who can't know. see, but they're so mellow and just laid they're back. And, <laughs> and this is good. They got the color out of my <laughs> This is a good vibe. <laughs> yeah. But you've said exactly like why, why we liked beer before we even thought about doing anything in the beer industry. It's just something that you get when you walk into a brewery or when you share a good beer with friends. It's it's there's this whole community around it. Um, you can talk around, you can talk across the aisles. You can almost talk about anything, and it's all good because it's all done around here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. On that one, I think it's a cheers. Okay, we all have beer. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Um, cheers. 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 Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Dude, how cool would it be to invite like 132 of your friends to brew beer with you? It would be awesome. It would be a pretty good excuse for a party. That's <laughs> smart ass. <laughs> that's a cool name though. And especially after, you know, like that's that's what they had said, especially after the pandemic and all that. Like people mm-hmm. just want to get together. And for those of you who have never brewed beer, it really only takes one person, maybe two, to brew. No matter really how much beer you're brewing, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so Let's just say it takes two people. So you've got 130 people there hanging out and partying while you get to concentrate on the beer. <laughs> That's a party. I don't That's know. Good luck party. to the brewer. Good luck, yeah, Matt. I'm, good luck uh, finishing. Malloy they... was probably having some pretty good fun at that time, really trying to keep track of his timers as to when he should be adding hops and adding all these things. Yeah, I can't imagine to trying to focus. <laughs> I mean, it. yeah, you don't have to focus a ton to make beer, but... You do need to know what you're doing and not, there's some dangerous stuff. You can get burned. You can like shoot everybody with water. I don't know. If you unhook the wrong clamp at the wrong time. I don't know. But he named that. That's a perfect name. Yeah. The party excuse. That's a great name for a beer and that would be a fun party. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Well, and if you want to have a party, that beer would be awesome to have. Party excuse for one, but that anniversary beer, man, if you could get your hands on it. Both of those probably are not going to be around forever, but I'm telling you, the anniversary beer, the one that's the 22.04%, if you happen to see a bottle around, I'd pick one up. Or who knows, maybe they still have some on tap at the the breweries, I don't know. Well, they might still have some bottles, we haven't been there in a couple weeks, but they they were only selling it for around 20 bucks, and that's a kind of beer that us beer freaks and geeks are going to like grab the, a couple of those bottles and stash them away in the closet till they get all thick with dust and everything. And then 10 years later, you're going to scrape the dust off and go, what's this one? Oh, man, I still have that. So there'll be bottles of that floating around in collector spheres for a long time, I bet. But Yeah, but let's put this into perspective. So this is by far not even anywhere near close to an expensive beer for oh, as no. the high ABV it is and the flavor that it is. I uh, mean, you guys all have pretty much probably heard of Utopia. Uh-huh. And those are pretty pricey, but didn't Brewdog... Yeah, those are a couple hundred dollars for Utopia. Yeah, but didn't which... Brewdog do, like, possibly one of the most expensive beers? As far as I know, because I think... I don't remember which one it was. The one that was, like, 55% or something like that, maybe. Um, they did... I think when they originally sold it, I don't remember what the pounds number was, but I think it worked out to about 750 to $800 for a bottle. U.S. dollars? U.S. dollars. $800? Like seven, eight hundred dollars for a bottle of beer, and this is not a big bottle. This is—they're not putting it in like a magnum of champagne kind of bottle. It's just a little bottle of really strong beer, and then, you know, for a 
paltry little three four hundred dollars more you could have that bottle shoved inside of a squirrel <laughs> like wait <laughs> a lot of, what do you mean shoved inside of a squirrel so this is why i say these ice the really super high abv beers are kind of to me are pretty gimmicky because like Brewdog, Brewdog, if you know Brewdog at all, they're known for doing crazy, stupid, wacky stuff. But gimmicky isn't bad always. It's fun. No, too, it's so not bad because it's it's, just... it's kind of funny. But they actually took – you could actually get this beer, this super strong beer, and I don't know why. I don't know the story behind it. But for some reason, they thought it would be even cooler to sell this beer by putting it inside the empty carcass – of a taxidermied squirrel. So they would taxidermy a bunch of squirrels, had a bunch of squirrels, I guess, had a bunch of squirrels taxidermied so that they were opened up to where you could actually slide a bottle inside its mouth into its body. And yeah, you could buy a really strong beer inside the body of a squirrel and then drink it. Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm <laughs> going, we, we do have a bottle of the 10 year anniversary from River North and I'm drinking that. And not the one that's $800 from the squirrel. If I'm going to spend $800, I'm going to go travel somewhere. I'm pretty much not going to take that anniversary bottle from River North and stick it inside a squirrel either. No. No. That doesn't appeal to me. And I don't see the value in three or $400 and sticking it in a squirrel. No. Um, so on that note, we're done with that conversation. <laughs> and we want to do a quick, um, I guess, yeah, a quick plug because Collab Fest is coming up. And we mentioned that on the podcast with... Um, Hessa Malloy and Katie and dude I haven't been to Collab Fest yet this is one of the yeah, like smaller haven't. beer fests in Denver but it's one of the more well known ones Kenny has been but I'm excited it's to fantastic. go because it's all of these different breweries like coming together to brew these unique I think creative and just fun beers that you don't get anywhere else right every beer is a, a collab between at least two breweries and and these are all just one off beers because they're like they're gonna make it for this collaboration fest, and they're gonna pour it at the fest, and then if there's some left over or they make enough, they might pour a little bit in their tap room for a short time, but then they're gonna be gone, and that's it. And the, and it's fun because all the brewers are having fun together, brewing together, and so they all show up at the collaboration fest as well. So they're all hanging out, trying each other's cool beers, and talking about the beers that they made together and. How much fun it was and what they can remember from those brew days of drinking all day together and making a beer but it's a truly fun festival just one of my favorite festivals i've ever been to it um is on april 2nd i'll put links in the show notes and it actually is it pretty much embodies i think what um hess was saying about how just beer is community and mm-hmm. embodies what we have always said too like it just builds upon that yeah community. you guys have been bar- yeah. bombarded by us saying it over and over so you know so come yeah. by to collab fest say hi to us find other like strangers and say hi to strangers yeah there's actually a beer there that we helped make really helped make it officially and then there's a couple others we've been involved in their brew days just as fun what beer did we help make we made a triple ipa with Burns Family Artisan Ales, they had, they did a collaboration with Colorado Beer Media. So it's not actually two breweries, but it's the Colorado Beer Media and Burns Family Artisan Ales. And this is like a, kind of a tradition that goes back with Collaboration Fest because it's put on by the Colorado Brewers Guild. So they like to involve the beer media too. And we got to be part of that this year and uh, just brewed a cool West Coast triple IPA that's going to be a fun, big, boozy beer that we will have on tap there along with all the other crazy cool stuff that everybody else is making. 
So we'll see you at CollabFest. But also, I want to say one more thing. Speaking of community and beer, I want to start pushing this out to y'all now. We're doing it again. It's, I guess it's our second annual Camp Carpe Diem. Yes. This one's mm-hmm. going to be in Brevard, Asheville, Brevard area, yeah. North Carolina. Brevard is like the, one of the top 10 mountain biking places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Asheville, Brevard, uh, Mills River, all these little places around there, Fletcher, and that whole area is one of the top, like, what, per capita brewery, breweries in the nation. Mm-hmm. And then it's also one of the top spots for photography um, with waterfalls and all the, you know, Blue Ridge Parkway and all that out there. And so, yeah, go to campcarpedium.com, C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com and get all the details and all the information. Um, selling tickets now, and they're actually selling out pretty fast. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've already got some really cool, fun stuff lined up this year with an opening night party at Oscar Blues. And um, we've got another brewery lined up that's going to have some fun stuff with it's- us called Noble Brow. And... Uh, we're pretty close. Maybe another one that we're working, talking to right now. It's not quite finalized yet, but maybe another one. So just keep listening to the shows because we'll be unveiling more details as we go along. But it's going to be a blast. Yeah. What are the dates? The dates this year are October 20th through the 23rd. And that is a Thursday, it officially Thursday kicks up on Thursday and finishes up on Sunday with a little bit of stringy stuff for, but around the sides. But all travelers, and even if you're not a traveler and want to come hang out, like we're going to be there before, we're going to be there after. Yeah. Like it's going to be so much fun. Right. So, yeah. We'll probably be there for a couple months, and our partners, Barry and Deb Benton, will probably be there quite a long time too from the virtual campground. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff before and after Carpe Diem too. Yeah. But yeah, come join us. Okay. On that note, don't drink too many high ABV beers. Just, just some really. <laughs> yeah, because I can't remember what to say. You have to subscribe, <laughs> follow us, leave a review, and really the best thing you can do for us for the podcast, if you want to help out, is tell buddies about it and have them tune in and listen. And if you feel so inclined to help support the show and keep it going, um, we do have a donate button on our. They're podcast. not donating, they're um, buying living, us a beer. If you go to livingastoutlife.com slash podcast, there's a buy us a beer button. Mm. And that's a good way to help keep the show going. Um, and yeah, so thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you at Camp Carpe Diem. And at and that Collab Fest. Collab Fest, hopefully. Let's hope we see a bunch of you there. And cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer, travel, and adventure lifestyle needs.